everyone, and welcome back to Season 1, a podcast where two best buds watch, review, and recommend TV shows that only aired for a single season. My name is Presley. My name is Andrew. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're, we're so happy to be uh, having you for our lucky number 13 episode here talking Ooh. about the sh- Hulu show uh, Reboot. Uh, without further ado, Andrew, would you, would you tell us all about this uh, wonderful show? You know what? I would love to do that. But first, roll the intro. Reboot is a canceled sitcom focused on a fictitious reboot of another canceled sitcom called Step Right Up, which features the original cast reprising their roles some 20 years after its cancellation. The show stars Reed Sterling, played by Keegan-Michael Key, Clay Barber, played by Johnny Knoxville, and Brie Marie Jensen, played by Judy Greer, and former child star of the original sitcom, Zach Jackson, played by Callum Worthy. Along with the former stars of the show, Reboot also follows the new and returning writers of the original sitcom, Hannah, played by Rachel Bloom, and her father and former showrunner, Gordon, played by Paul Reiser. The show unfolds with clashes between the writing staff and the actors, with Reed dealing with his long-distance relationship and lingering feelings from his old co-star Brie, Clay tackling his sobriety and trying to be a better person, and Zach trying to grow out of his child star reputation while maintaining the happy-go-lucky attitude that he has used his whole life. Conflict erupts between all areas of the staff as they try to reboot this cancelled show, resulting in a new studio head coming in in the final episode, and Gordon being forced to quit as the writer to help keep the reboot from being cancelled yet again. What a difficult show to synopsize, as I found when I was writing that. Uh, because yeah. it is uh, uh, it is a concept that we would talk about, like if Step Right Up was a canceled sitcom, that then is also being parodied by a show. It's just kind of interesting. I, I right. found it hard. So I apologize if it was a bit difficult to follow for our listeners, but it is kind of a hard concept to follow even within the show. Yeah, basically it's just a show about a show that's being rebooted, right? Yes. I mean, the, that, that's, that's, that's the simplest simple way part of it. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a little more to it, which we'll get into, but yeah. Yeah, and and it also is self-referentially uh, starring quote-unquote Hulu executives and was produced yeah. by Hulu. So like Hulu yeah. is aware that they are rebooting a sitcom that was not originally on Hulu, um, and Hulu is greenlighting it, and it is also a show on Hulu as a platform that was a Hulu original show. So like right. there's this weird meta through line yeah. of the whole show right which we, i'm sure we'll get into um which but it's is kinda, fun yeah. kinda is fascinating i mean i just getting right into it i i, I really enjoyed this show this yeah, was same. this was a solid comedy show and i know you know previously we just talked about blockbuster y- you can so easily see the distinction between why this comedy works and blockbuster's comedy doesn't uh, because yeah. of like the structure of the writing and it's so fundamentally totally. different and better and we'll, we'll talk about some of this as, as we go on but you know i'm i'm a big fan i'm, I'm happy you you picked this one me too you know uh it, it's actually kind of funny because i i was enjoying myself watching this show i got to episode eight and it was over and then i was waiting for the next episode to start oh no and then i was like so sad and i was like no this it's is over. this is why we do this I show like, because of all of our uh, listeners all the people out there that find a great show that they enjoy even if it's not a good show but it's just a show that they enjoy because I, I have a lot of them and finding out that they're canceled after a single season and not having that that continuation is heart-wrenching sometimes it was rough yeah like i literally 
the reason why I wasn't ready for it is because I thought there were 10 episodes in my head. It was just like, cool, I have two more episodes. And then this episode happened. And then there was like, check out this new show. And I was like, fuck, no. Yeah, right. You're kidding. But no, I I really enjoyed this show. I'll kind of go into my thoughts. I really liked the idea of it being a show about a show. Yeah. Because it it wasn't just kind of a, a sitcom. It was like a layer back. Yeah. That like we definitely got to see some of the sitcom and the, the themes yeah. and things because they, they through the show they talked about like the way they wanted to write it, obviously, because we have the writer's room characters and that whole side of things, as well as the actors giving their piece and I, I don't know, the actual sitcom itself that they were doing called uh, step right up was seemingly interesting i didn't fully understand the concept it's of the so show as funny. much because it didn't matter right but it's yeah. so funny that like it kind of seemed like I, I don't know it was like so, King michael key was supposed to be a kid but he wasn't or adopted by them but he was actually in love no with, that's not I, I don't what know, it was right? Okay, what was it? Because I, so, I didn't get that part. It wasn't as important, so yeah, I didn't really the, like, focus on it. All the context but... you get is like small snippets of uh, like clips from the original run of the TV show, right? And then right. also them making the new TV show, right? And the what from my understanding is that it's very similar to, uh, what was that movie a little while back? Uh, like step stepdad, right? With uh, Will Ferrell and um. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, Mark Wahlberg. And Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what it is is I that it, yeah. Johnny Knoxville's character and Judy Greer's character had a kid, and that kid is uh, is Zach Jackson, Callum oh. the actor. And then Judy Greer's character remarried Keegan Michael Key's character, but oh. because clay barber johnny knoxville character wanted to be around to raise the kid they just all live together in this like awkward kind of like okay. it's not like polygamous but it like is kind of like weirdly implied the the funny thing about it and i think this is very intentional is for for any of our listeners uh, who have watched like the too many cooks uh, clip uh, on on youtube which is one of the great one of the great online videos of all time the intro sequence and everything like that is very similar to that because it's very sitcom but everything about it is like creepily awkward and they continue doing that throughout all, like everything that you see is completely disconnected from everything else you see when they're filming the sitcom. There's no continuity between any of the scenes you're seeing. So you're never getting like what an episode is about or what the conflict of any of the sitcom stories would be. Right. You're just seeing these like four semi-random characters and then a fifth one as they are rebooting it, interacting right. in strange ways where like one episode, Johnny Knoxville and the... A child actor who's now an adult are like hanging by wires in a green screen set for like two hours for some reason (laughs) because they're in a dream sequence but again you don't see the sitcom they're making you just see them making it which is a fun way like not that important yeah it doesn't matter right right? like that that's interesting okay now that makes a lot more sense because i was like i couldn't tell again that's what i assume it is but then also like that that makes the most sense to me yeah uh because there is that scene where it's revealed like the new character is um uh keegan michael keys keegan michael keys uh reed excuse me it reed's daughter yeah and then she's like uh brie is like oh her character's like oh i guess i'm you know a stepmom or like whatever kind of thing right isn't that a thing in one of the later things yeah the, I something like, like that, that. Was it's very confusing something like that that makes sense but but again it, it's like not even really the focus of the show yeah making the show is the focus of the show Correct. and the characters all involved, which I really liked as a concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really liked the, 
all of the characters had some depth to them. They all had some interesting conflicts between each other. They had yep. some personal conflicts that were interesting. And it was just kind of like, there were some situations that they all kind of got in where you're like, Ooh, oh no, oh no, this is not going to be good. And then yeah. it's like, oh God, they, they got out of it somehow, like barely scraped by. And, you know, while the consequences of most of the situations aren't so severe as like, you know, a, a crime procedural or something intense where like, oh, yeah, someone's going to die. Died. It, but it's like the stakes are high for that show. Or it's meaningful to all of them because it's meaningful to all of them and it can impact everything and everything could fall and apart. And a big, a big focal point of the first episode is how everybody who is on this show's career is currently in the toilet. Like nobody right. is really like, right. they kind of need it to work. They're kind of, uh, you know, all right. in the life raft together and they kind of have to band together because one of the core conflicts of the whole show is that Hannah is the, uh, is the writer that decides and comes to Hulu to decide, like wants to reboot the show. Cause she yeah. talks about how meaningful it was. As the show progresses, we discover that Hulu brought back in the original show writer and runner, Gordon, which we then find out is the um, father of Hannah. That right. Step Right Up was kind of secretly about Gordon's relationships and how Hannah right. was kind of abandoned by Gordon. But and it's like his side of it making him feel like a better person for how exactly he right. It's the like his fictionalized like superior version right yeah and so that conflict is like a central part of the whole thing because the original cast members don't want gordon back they want the new showrunner hannah because they think uh, yeah. she she has a better vision for the show they think that it's going in a better place and then gordon comes in and kind of disrupts it and turns it back into like a normal sitcom that just does yeah. normal sitcom things and they're like this isn't gonna work and so that it, it evolves and continues working and the biggest thing and i think we talk so much about this on this podcast the whole time is that every character has distinct characterization distinct motivations yep. that are set out from the start that are easy to follow and that coincide really well it's not like these are just random characters with one little bit of backstory that right. then you uh you know have no association with a, a great example of this right is the child actor who's now like in his early 20s he is constantly referencing all of these kids movies that he was in that have like these stupid names where yeah. it's like, it's clear that flops. it's like a, you know, what was it? <laughs> they were like all flops. Yeah. Too, they were like all flops. And he yeah. was always like the child star that was yeah. like, um, you know, kid co-pilot or something where it's like a child in the Navy or something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's always stupid, but he, like every episode he brings up a different one and like the lessons he learns from being in it, like that's a fun little gimmick. But then you also yeah. see these great moments of him, like trying to be an adult and trying to, um, court, uh, genuinely, sincerely this Hulu executive that's being tasked with working on the show. And even that Hulu executive who's kind of, not a throwaway character, but she's not in every episode. She's not a focal point of the show. We learned yeah. about how she was like a Silicon Valley, like prodigy coder that just hates doing that and wanted to get into show yeah. business. Right. And like, doesn't want to go back to that. So she's like, I need this show. Yeah. To she needs it to work. And so like the fact that we can call out, I mean, I know the character's name, but the fact that I can recognize and remember from basically the same amount of time that we watched, say blockbuster, I can recognize yeah. her motivations, her goals, why she's there all those things. And she was fun and enjoyable with the other co-stars. Right. Yeah. And she's not even like a focal point of the show. No, she's like, a secondary she's, character. She's a character. Yeah. She's a secondary character that definitely had some flavor in a lot of places. And I particularly like her and, and Zach's relationship. Cause he flips so well between like goofy and serious and like adult and child. And it's like him growing into a, an adult almost yeah. while maintaining his, his, his same attitude. Like, and like happy-go-lucky, uh, you know, 
personality like you were like we mentioned in the uh, in the, the synopsis it's great yeah it's great there's some great interplay between him and johnny knoxville because like right. in an episode i think it's the final episode or maybe it's the second to last uh johnny knoxville is buying his first house and johnny knoxville right. is obviously like his that. own age which i think is like mid to late 50s i don't know how old he is yeah. but he's definitely he's up around there. there yeah um and Zach, the twenty-something, is like, "Oh, I can help you. I bought six houses, right?" Yeah. And it's this great flip because he was like, in a movie where his character was like a finance guru. Oh, there you go. Like, right? Literally, so he learned to invest in real like, estate yeah, from his movie. It it's like these little yeah, fun things, right? And, it was, and it was the interplay of, of the characters is great. The other thing I want to call out before we get into like deeper thoughts and goods and bads is it yeah. makes me really happy to see some of the some of the actors in this, specifically the two kind of main leads of Keegan Michael Key and Judy Greer being in leading roles. Yeah, these are two people that you see all the time, all over a lot of different things, and they're always in secondary roles, and they're yes. always better than a lot of the primary actors in what you're yeah. watching. And it makes 100%. me really happy, or made me really happy, to see them as leading characters. And further bums me out that this show didn't continue to show off like how talented of actors they are, because Keegan Michael Key yeah. kind of puts on the show and his acting skills in this specific show. Like oh, it, he agree. really shows a great diversity in his ability to like bring comedy, but drama, but silliness, but like yeah. it, you know, it's really really strong. So, and Judy Greer is one of my favorite actresses. She's in so and much good great. stuff and very underappreciated in my opinion. And to his credit as well, like Johnny Knoxville is, you know, he's in Jackass. He's in a lot of other things. He's in some really like corny kind of like. Don't forget Bad Grandpa. Like, straight to DVD type of movies that right. obviously some hit theaters and whatnot. But like he actually throws or shows a, a rather large range yeah. of acting. And like he's more than I thought Johnny too, Knoxville right? could bring. Right. He, right. He, he right. takes it on goes, more than you would expect. Yeah. He goes so much further than you would have expected from Johnny Knoxville. Like when I was watching this show, I honestly kind of thought it was going to be pretty bad. Based on the cast or based on... Like, a little what? bit, but like, I don't know, because it was like, you know, I, it, was a, it was a show that only aired eight episodes and it got canceled, right? Like, how right. many times have we done this? How many times have we <laughs> watched shows now at this point that it's like, oh, 13 I, I guess it was answer. maybe just the pessimist side of me that's just like, well, here's another shit show. Right. Um, but it, I was like pleasantly surprised by this entire show. I, I really enjoyed it. And and to my again to my surprise even further, Johnny Knoxville delivered um, a very very compelling, very interesting character. Yeah, which you know, uh, like you said, Keegan Michael Key and Judy Greer are both very very good. Yeah, and it was nice to see them in the highlight. But I feel like I've seen them in more things, showing more range than I've ever seen Johnny Knoxville do. True. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so like, hats off to Johnny Knoxville because he did a fantastic job. Not not that they all didn't, but. Anyways, I was just pleasantly surprised and I would really love to see him in more things that are a little more serious like that because he he's got the chops for it. Yeah, I think when he puts his mind to it, right, like just like any of these yeah. strong actors, right, like you, yep. you get a character that's kind of typecast. Obviously, Johnny Knoxville is known for Jackass. Like that's where he got famous. Yeah, right. right. But then, you know, he, he give him some acting lessons, put him in, put him in a quality show with yeah. good writing that knows how to utilize his comedy in conjunction with some drama. And right. it really works, right? There's a... In the second episode, I think he uh, enters into like a sexual relationship with the child actor's mom, who's like constantly yes, on yeah. set, like making orange <laughs> slices, and it's like so weird and like corny and strange. But then he freaks out because 
Zach, the, the child actor, um, is like, oh, you cannot break our heart. You like, you're basically in a committed relationship now that you had sex with my mom one time because she yeah. like broke a hole through a uh, windshield, like smashing shit when someone broke up. With yeah, her when someone broke up with her, her yeah. and it's a fun comedy sitcom moment. But then you realize like how serious Johnny Knoxville is actually taking the issue. Like he's not just yeah. playing it for yucks. He's like, oh, I actually have to deal with this and like get down like to business. Not that was a bad way of saying what I meant literally get down to business not not figuratively not a double entendre um where he's like hey I need to like either find a way to get out of this or commit to being with this woman and then meanwhile I go and have sex with her and then she gives me orange slices afterwards and a pat on the head and it's like the weirdest kind of thing and then it all turns out fine but it's just like this it's it's a great silly sitcom and it's it's written just so much better than blockbuster our latest comedy yeah. or or running wild or no tomorrow right. you know some of the other shows that we've watched spoilers for those episodes but it's just like so much more consistent in the jokes better in the yeah. tone and knows what it's trying to say a lot more distinctly 100%. Um, which i think is like a very important factor in a lot of these comedies like it's it yeah. knows that it's making fun of the industry of hollywood and of reboot culture it knows yep. that it's making fun of the old guard and the new guard of writers and, and comedy and those kinds of things yeah. and of the, of what happens to aged actors. You know, that's the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. No, you, you just said that very beautifully. It's all true. Um, yeah. I brought a tear to my own eye. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally crying right now. I don't know. You can probably hear the emotion in my voice. Well, I've talked a lot. I want to hear your good and your bad, right? Because there, there are some of yeah. both in this and I, I'm curious yeah. to hear kind of what, where your thoughts are. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm coming up a little short on on bads. I, I can probably think of something by the time I'm I'm kind of talking here. But goods, I would say casting. Like I don't think anybody. Really cast. I don't think anybody in this show was like felt like spare change or felt like the wrong decision. Even no. even like some of the very very random like extras that the they secondary put in, like, writing staff was good. Right, that they bring in. Yeah, kind like of later oh on. my gosh, the one of the one of the most fun things was watching like the the millennial slash maybe almost gen z like writers like the yeah. new guard and yeah. the old guard these like old super you know, old like 70 year old whatever writers. you know all these people who are like oh we've been doing sitcoms since before you were twinkle in your dad's eye kind of thing and like just watching <laughs> them kind of clash in the beginning and it's and, and it's great because they're just talking they're not decisions. even trying to write they're just like yeah, talking about ideas and arguing. they'll be like, I don't think you can say that anymore. And they're like, well, I just did. <laughs> well, I, yeah, they're just like, well, I just did. And like the one, uh, the one older lady in the, in the, the older writer group yeah. was fantastic. And there was that she's really so tender moment where, yeah, there was a really cool tender moment where she was, she went and talked to, uh, Brie who like spent a day in the writer's room. And she was like, look, if you want to be in this, own it but learn first and like be a part of it. Just like soak everything up you can and be fucking better than everybody else. Yeah. The, the actress just name is uh, Rose like, Abadou, by the way, Rose just Abadou. Calling her she out. Cause she was probably she the strongest credit, yeah. of the, the, those characters, those secondary writing characters. Yeah. Cause yeah, she's also the great. most vulgar and craziest of yes. all of them, which is yep. a great kind of like, Oh, you have these other male writers that are kind of stereotypical, but then she comes in and is like, cr- like way meaner and vulgar than everybody like, else. And then she practices over. what she preaches, right? To yep. to uh, to uh, Judy Greer. Yeah. So so casting was great. All the character development, as we kind of touched on before, was great. All the little personal relationships and little battles that everybody had with each other as they were um, trying to make their way, or. Or even just trying to help keep the show do its best, right? Because there were some conflicting 
ideas both been writing and the acting side of things and even acting versus writing right like it's like these different parallel or different um mixes where people weren't getting along and had different ideas uh but it just it was great because all of those little mixes of you know an actor versus a writer about what they should do with their character or, or the writers and writers or actors and actors like hey you know yep. this this uh brie and um what was her name the uh reed's daughter in the timberly in the series. is the actress timberly name. timberly and it was like kimberly or something yeah, uh so it's a stranger name so brie kind of sees timberly she's like a very beautiful uh young actress who they bring on the show and she kind of like takes everybody by storm brie kind of sees her as a threat initially and starts sabotaging her and then they have a really sweet moment where she's like i should be helping you we should be helping each other yeah we should bring each other up we should be bringing each other up so there was all this conflict between you know the actors and actors writers writers actors writers and they did such a good job making it feel like it, they weren't trying to work too hard to make it happen. It all felt very organic and very natural. And I loved that. Um, and that, that for me, as, as we've talked about before, is like one of the biggest things that a show can do really well or really poorly is the relationships and the conflicts that people have with each other in a show, right? Because there's been so many of these shows that fail for me because there isn't good enough relationships or good enough conflict or you know, something to really bite on when it comes to that. Yeah. I so think that was like probably five different goods. I just threw in no, there. You did a great job. Um, but just the writing just in general, all the comedy was great. Like I, I wasn't just chuckling every now and then there were times where I was literally like cackling because I was, and I don't do that. No, often. It was like a funny I, show. I, it's hard to get me to cackle in a show. I am more of the like, huh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah, you're like, you're Oh really man, good. that's pretty good kind of like reactor laugh, but you know like <laughs> yeah but like when i get going in a show that's when i know for me that it's going really well that they yeah. did a good job there were some some like belly laugh moments for me in this which yeah you know is you know even a couple really signal a great comedy and you know comedy can be a really hard thing to nail and and i'm not saying that they nailed it every single time here um right but it was it was a strong showing from some strong comedic actors across the right. board yeah so for bad I'm going to level with you. I don't really have much. Wow. The bad that there wasn't, there wasn't more. Like I, I'm, I really am thinking about it and I watched the show very intently because I was really into it and I don't have anything really. Okay. Um, may, maybe something will come to mind when you, when you say something, maybe it'll jog my mind. Why don't you go ahead and start with your goods and your bads and, and I'll, I'll chime in toward the end of what you're saying or at the end, if, if something comes to mind, but genuinely I'm, not really coming up with anything that I thought was, was very negative. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I resonate a lot with your good aspects. I, I, I think that you, you pretty much nailed uh, just about all of them. I'll, I'll reiterate. It's a very strong, well-acted show because, you know, you have these multi-layered kind of things, right? You have the actors um, playing their characters within the show. You also then have them playing their sitcom characters and then you kind of have this third layer of them being actors themselves, right? Of yeah. putting on a show for people, of having a public persona, and the ways that that kind of can bite them in the ass. And I really appreciated how nuanced those three different takes on each of the characters yeah. was. I also really, really like the arc of Hannah and her father, Gordon, because yeah. it genuinely works in a way that a lot of shows mishandle 
because everybody is talking about how much they hate Gordon, how much they love Hannah, and how much they don't want Gordon back as a showrunner. Gordon continuously works to undercut, prove that he's better than Hannah, proves that he knows more than her. And then Hannah shows him proper humility and they work and grow together as characters yeah. where he is still arrogant, still, you know, thinks he's better, but then also works to make amends for what he has done wrong and isn't just a cackly mustache twirling villain. And it's, right. it, it's done. So this is like textbook to me, like the way it should be done when you're writing like a sympathetic kind of nastier villainous character, right? He's not evil. He's not doing anything distinctly mean. Yeah. Right. But he is not a person you root for. And slowly you actually come to really like Gordon. And Gordon was actually one of my favorite characters towards the end of the yeah, show. I agree. Because of the way that he handled things where he mea culpa he realized that he had fucked up on certain things, not all things, but he realized he was and tr- was genuinely trying to do better. And I just like actually think that that is like what more shows need to do is like show characters being humble, show characters uh, doing things to, to fix problems rather than having yeah. problems fixed for them. Um, right. Totally. A great example is like they're feuding in the second episode, Hannah and him about this one, like popcorn gag where, uh, where in the sitcom it's written that, uh, Judy Greer's character opens, uh, their dryer and it just overflows with popcorn and it all falls out and there's no clothes. Right. And Hannah's like, this is too broad. This doesn't make any, like, why is this, why is it happening? We haven't set this up. There's no payoff. It doesn't mean anything. You're just doing it on a gag. Right. Right. And so they're constantly like going back and forth. And this is when they hire the, the, each individual, like the, the kind of Gen Z millennial writing staff and the super old uh, writing staff. And they're, they're feuding back and forth and people are in the camp for, and people are in the camp against. And then like, 10 minutes before they're set to air and record, right? Because they're recording the sitcom in front of like a live audience. Um, Gordon like changes it without telling Hannah um, and like takes away the popcorn sketch that he had previously snuck back into the script. Right. And they were like shooting around and there was like conflict within the set department and them. Right. Right. And then Hannah sees that, Oh, well like he actually realized something good and, you know, was realized that I was right. Right. Realized that, and so then she goes to like apologize to him because the thing that you don't know is that Hannah has sabotaged Gordon's <laughs> car and filled it completely full of popcorn yes. to show him that, that he's wrong. But then as Hannah comes out, Gordon apologizes. He said, look, you're right. You know, I've been taking this too seriously. I'm, you know, too bullheaded for my own good. Genuine yeah. good moment between the two of them. He opens the car door, <laughs> the popcorn falls out. And then he's like, you're right. It's too broad. And then it cuts to credits. Right. And it's a really yeah. good, like you've set it up the whole episode you've worked really hard to show the growth of these two characters. You then show them fucking each other over multiple times. And then you show the payoff of that genuine relationship that's being formed. And it's just like, I cannot say enough good things about this particular relationship and the way it's written. So, and it gets stronger toward the end too. Yeah. And they, they actually become like close, right? Yeah. When like Gordon sees that there are real lives all on the project. So basically the new exec that comes in, Gordon, Gordon, uh, the new exec's wife, cheated on the exec with Gordon. Yes. And they have, you know, a rivalry sort of thing. And basically, this new exec is going to kill the show very slowly. It's going to be a horrible death for the show. And he wants it to suffer because he he wants wants it to suffer suffer. because because he wants Gordon to suffer. And Gordon talks about he kind of like stands his ground and is bullish with him as well. And then Hannah and him have conversations. And she's like, you know, 
there's more than just your life happening here. Like there are so many people that rely on the this show and, this and thing the and people making the show, the prop department. Yeah, exactly. Like she calls out everyone, even the executives. Exactly. This one and, asshole. And so he walks through and he sees all of that. And then he resigns and makes a deal with the, the exec that like, I'm going to leave, keep this show going as well as we can. Yeah. You can't and do then, the things that you were espousing that you were going to do to keep, exactly. slowly kill the show. And then the best moment in their relationship was basically Gordon was like, you're doing fantastic. You are an amazing writer kind of thing. And then he's like, I love what we did here on the show. And he was like, basically wasn't even talking about the, the fact they created a show together. Right. It was like them working on their relationship and, and, yes. and growing together. He was talking about the I show, thought but he was, was talking really, about them. Right, right. He mentioned the show, but was really talking about like, yeah the work that they were doing together to repair their relationship, which I thought was really cool. And that's just, I'm sorry to take over again, but that's just, no, one of those, like, I'm glad you're talking about it. Right. Because that's one of I, those relationship things for me that, and like, it should come across totally to, to our listeners right now, like how not only, you know, we talk about other comedies, right. And how their characters just don't work. The fact yeah. that we're talking so much and can go into such specific detail about these characters shows that in just the same amount of time that we had in plenty of our other comedy shows, how much yeah. more impactful the writing and the structure and the acting was than in any of the other comedic or even dramatic shows, right? There have been other good right. dramatic shows, but like we can go into the, this much detail uh, about Pan Am because it's written well and with thought mm -hmm. to the way that the characters interact. And that is what makes a show compelling. Like any show that's, yeah. that's true of a comedy. It's true of a drama. It's true of an action show. It doesn't matter. You need to give motivation. You need to have setups. You need to have payoffs yep. and you need to have character growth, right? Growth is like the thing that most shows completely forget about, which is the 100%. biggest, you know, it's the saddest part of most shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go. No, I was just thinking the, the crazy thing is that we only had eight episodes of 30, eight 30 minute episodes and there's this much we can take away from it. Like that just goes to show how well some shows can be written and it then also shows how poorly some other yeah. shows are written. Because Blockbuster like, had 10 episodes of the same length, and we know yeah, I mean, a thousand times what? less about every single character. How many episodes is Running Wild? Like 20-something? 20 20 in that neighborhood? Uh, 26, 24, It was around there, yeah. right? And like, pff, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's enough of a statement. Please continue. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, we, we've espoused a lot of great things about the show. I, I have a few small, smaller bads, Ooh. right? Which is, I think, indicative of a lot of like how our ratings would go and, and that kind of thing. I think... Yeah. Um, there's some tired tropes that the show relies upon a bit too much, mm. um, okay. especially for the actors. I think. Tell me more. Um, relying uh, upon Judy Greer to be the uh, still extremely attractive, strong actress who I think is now, yeah. I believe she's in her 40s, right? But because of how cutthroat so, Hollywood is, they espouse that as she's like very over the hill and they're constantly like kind of ragging on her age. And, you know, there's a whole yeah. conflict with her having to like wear Spanx in one of the episodes because they want, you know, her to have that, you know, traditional actress uh, body for a sitcom. And I, I, I feel like there's it's just a little too tired for uh, what is going on in the show. And the show is about Hollywood and it's about the kind of cynicism that often encompasses a lot of those. But it was just one of those one of those things that felt um, too cynical and too tired for, for how strong the show was. And so that just disappointed me because I think Judy Greer has a lot of range and I think you could have taken it a lot of interesting ways. In fact, they do a lot of interesting things with Judy Greer because uh, we, we talked about how she was kind of um, trying to fuck up Timberly, right? Her, her new female, her new and only female co-star in the show. Right. right. 
Um, yep. And she kind of sees the error of her ways. And then like an episode or two later, they go to a bar and they're, they're kind of shooting a shit and then they hook up and they're like, yep. you know, having sex and they like recurringly have that. It's not just like a one-off. Right. And yep. they're, she's trying to figure out kind of what this new status quo is for her. Yep. And that's a much more interesting and fulfilling story to have your your character of like discovering new parts of their sexuality later in their life i think then oh well judy greer is an old woman in hollywood and not even old 40 is should not be considered old right yeah hollywood she's 47 it is. i looked at 47 right? even old yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying right is like and you know judy greer is phenomenal in, in just about everything and shows up a lot of her younger uh you know co-stars in anything that she's yeah. in oh yeah and so i think like just typecasting you know a slightly older women woman within the industry and saying oh well you know she's old and we gotta make jokes about how she has to wear spanks it's just like a little yeah. tired to me i, I would i preferred. agree with that actually yeah. i i didn't miss that when i was watching it but i didn't you know it's been a little while since i finished the show because i was so into it i finished it and i I completely forgot about that. I, I agree. I would, I would retroactively say that's also one of my bad. Yeah. Things. And and it's, yeah. it's a subtle thing. That. And it's, it's one of those things where when you're watching it, it's not like that it's not taken to like the point of it being offensive or being right, wrong. Right. But they, you, they don't as it lingers on your it. tongue, you're like, you know, this, they could have done so much more with a lot yeah. of this. And I think that's true of a lot of specifically the four uh, like cast I think the best character that gets the most development is actually the child actor because we see the most yeah. and hear the most about like what his career was like within the show within the context mm -hmm. of the show and we're showed how kind of strange he is but in a fun way and in a heartfelt yeah. way one of my favorite gags that they do is him like losing kind of quote-unquote custody of his dog when they're filming like a dog episode of oh the sitcom God. And he's, yes. he's telling Hannah, the, the writer about how much he loves this dog, how, how sweet the dog is, how wonderful it is. It's a very classic like <laughs> sitcom trope. And so then Hannah like volunteers to kind of help him through it. And so they go to his ex's house to go see the dog. And the dog is like literally a feral monster that they need yeah, to put like on rabid. like gardening gloves to handle because of how evil yeah. and mean it is. And it's like, <laughs> it's not like, Oh, it just barks a lot. It's like literally they took like, the worst looking dog and on the street it's and like put it in the hands. Yeah. It like looks like it's rabid. Pet. Right. Like, yeah. And yeah, Hannah, of course, not knowing this had already volunteered to let the dog hang out in her office on date on like shooting yep. days. So he could bring this dog to set because of the way it was <laughs> described. Right. But again, it just goes to show that like, I know a lot about this character and I care about the characters. I really like yep. it. I also think a bit of Johnny Knoxville's uh, characterization is a bit old hat you know, the, the former kind of druggy, uh, party guy yeah. that's getting his life together now, much later in life and, and going to AA. And I, I'm not saying that those aren't real struggles. I'm not saying that that isn't important or impactful. It's actually really good because Johnny Knoxville plays it extremely well, but it, it just, really it, I would have preferred a little bit more, um, nuance, a little bit, uh, better and broader characterization for some of these. Um, I can respect and, that. Yeah. And, and it, it's really, it's, it's small, but it, it, it does matter. And it, as I think about it more, I can understand why, uh, you know, it, from a critical perspective, like critics watching the show could have been like, wow, that really missed the mark. You know, you have this great actress, Judy Greer, or you have, you know, a kind of a rare actor, Johnny Knoxville, or you have this really wide ranging Keegan Michael Key. And you're just kind of pigeonholing them a bit into these traditional, uh, problems that you have with a lot of uh actors nowadays and and it just it's a missed opportunity in my opinion so it's, it's a very minor uh but it's important i agree i agree with that i think that's a fair those are both like fair criticisms that don't ultimately they don't ultimately like 
bring down the show to a point where it's unwatchable. No. But I agree that those are both kind of pretty well used and kind of tired tropes in in series. It would have been interesting. Yeah, to they see just need to evolve, just like so in much a different of this, way right? or evolve in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Because then you also yeah. have like uh uh the the older uh writer uh I mentioned her name earlier, uh Rose Ab- Abdu, right? I believe I'm saying that last name right. She doesn't have a lot of these tropes and you have a character like her who is kind of a stronger female character that is informing Brie about like how important it is to kind of stand your ground, how important it is to show up to the same level that a lot of the men in the room are showing up as. And that can be a voice. Like obviously they wrote that character and they wrote that dialogue. So then why are you then taking your other character that is also a woman, uh, kind of one of the few women in the show and, and typecasting in this way, uh, to, to be a stereotypical, uh, you know, uh, character, which, which I think is a bummer again, that it's is not, this does not ruin the show. This does not even yeah. necessarily affect my, my overall star rating, which we'll get into right. in just a minute. Um, I just think it's important to, to have the discussion about like why some of these shows can, can not be as successful because there are plenty of people that will immediately identify that and be like, wow, yeah. that really turns me off of the show and I'm not going to watch it. And you, you really yeah. don't know when, when that's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, it's interesting. I, I was just thinking about this as you were saying that. You know, I feel like I don't watch TV shows, even even for this. I don't watch TV shows as much as a critic as I do as just a casual like yeah. TV enjoyer. Right. While also realizing that I've had some pretty damn critical things to say about shows. But <laughs> it's really interesting thinking about it. Maybe the next... Uh, show or two i'll think about it from like a critic's perspective even though i I am not one so i can't fully understand right but i I, it'd be interesting to see how like my ideas change on on thoughts on the show when i just try to you know keep my mind as open as possible to the other perspectives that could be watching the show i watch it and say oh well let me think about it from let's say one of my sister's perspectives who who are both in their Mm. 30s right seeing an actress like judy greer i don't have any sisters so that's my yeah like just seeing an actress like judy greer who is only, you know, about 10 years their senior, right? Like, realistically, right? But then they are being uh, put down and they are being laughed at or, you know, comedy is being made about the fact that they are a certain age. But comedy is being made about the fact that they're a certain age, right? And so I can understand how that would affect my sisters uh, and I can sympathize and empathize with those positions a little bit better. I'm not, I don't know yeah. if my sister, siblings have watched the show. I'm just throwing it out there from the perspective of, you know, me kind of looking at it from lenses that are not always my own, not trying to make judgments about it, but just trying no, to say like, good. how would this affect somebody that isn't me? Yeah. That's fair. I like that. I think we've talked a lot about the goods and the bads of this show. I think I could keep uh, talking about this show. Yeah, I think goods, we both could, could, you know, similar to Pan Am where the, <laughs> where it just kind of rolls, yeah. rolls easily. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I say we talk a little bit about our, our uh, what we would have wanted in, in a second season, you know, since mm. we really like the show before we get into our star rating. So, so lay it on me. Yeah. What, what does season two of Reboot look like? So to give a little bit more um, of an idea of what we even see in the finale, just because that's probably going to set up my yeah. season two a little bit. And for those of you who maybe didn't watch it or are waiting to watch it, um, this is going to be a little bit more of a heavy spoiler than usual, because I'm going to talk more specifically about the end of the show. But yeah, I mean, we spoiled it in the synopsis, but continue. 
Well, but like you also you have, you know, Reed and Bree used to be in a relationship back yep. when they were filming. They broke up. She got remarried to like a I think a Dutch uh royalty. It's a made up and, like region in yeah, a, yeah, a, some, a Scandinavian country basically. Yeah, right. Uh royalty there. She got cheated on. Um she always wanted kids. Um and he ends up having you know, he cheated on her with his assistant. Now he's marrying his assistant. They're Ooh, he's having, having a kid. Yeah. Um, and so she's really upset by this. She basically does an interview uh, about the reboot of the show and says, oh, Reed and I, who Reed is in a relationship with someone who is very, um, I guess, aware of the previous relationship and very like skeptical that she can trust that both of them, like Reed and Brie, will behave with each other because right. she knows how electric that and was. And she's across the country in New York doing her own and thing. And she's across the country doing a, a, a play. Anyway, so you see this interview and Brie goes, oh, well, that's she's blindsided by this news that he's her ex-husband is getting married and having a child. And she's like, oh, Breed, uh, Reed and I are back together. We're thinking about having kids and we're going to get married. And and there's this whole thing where she tries to rush and tell him before he's about to be up on, on the interview because it's literally like they do the interview. And then immediately he's supposed to go in. Yeah, like 10 minutes later. And she later. rushes, yeah, like 10 minutes later, she rushes into his trailer and his girlfriend, Nora, is there. Surprised to surprise him because yeah. she's, to surprise him because he's in LA, she's in New York and she's been like talking to him about how over she is and she needs a break and she misses him and all this stuff. And she comes in and her and Bree have this really awkward exchange and then Bree just has to leave and he goes into the interview and this gal is like talking about, oh, like your big news yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exciting he's news like, that Bree told us about. Yeah, and he's like, just so I'm aware, like, what did she tell you? And then he just basically flips. You know, she tell, you know, she's like, well, that you guys are together and you're gonna have a kid and whatever. And he just literally walks off the set. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, but <laughs> he, he does leaves. it in the very diplomatic way of like, as if yeah. he didn't leave the interview. He's like still talking, but he's like slowly just he's walking getting up away. and walking yeah, away. It's very yeah. It was it was, it was really great. Fun. It was very Keegan Michael Key. Yes, but not in a way that's like tired, right? No, because, yeah. I he's... mean, I've seen a lot of Key and Peele and whatever, yeah. and and you know. He's got a lot of range with that, but he's he also got traits that he does in, in a lot of the same shows that yep. is used very well. But anyways, it was a very like Keegan Michael, uh, Keegan Michael Key thing where he just gets up, walks away, and he's basically like, "What the hell was that all about?" And yep. then they have this really, uh, like, very brief but very raw moment where she's like, "I got really overwhelmed. I just needed something. I'm really sorry." I needed something to kind of put out there to get this all off of me. I know I put you in a really difficult position in more ways than I know I put you in a shit situation. I'm really sorry. And, um, you know, earlier they had kind of had a a scene where they're supposed to kind of like get intimate and there were some, you know, weird sexual things that happened. I'm going to say performance anxiety, but in a positive Uh, way, not in a negative way. Right. Tracks for our, our listeners. Right. And so then there was like this, you know, thing between them and, you know, you saw them kind of like doing old things that they used to do when they were together. Anyways, you see this whole thing. Um, and then Reed actually proposes to his girlfriend after to kind of fix or, things. or actually right before Bree is just like, I was lying. I do still have feelings for you. I want to be with you. Literally proposes like, to his girlfriend. She says yes. Gets a call from her mom. Leaves and the then room. He gets a call right Bree, away. Bree yeah. calls Reed and then she's like, I'm still in love with you. And he's like, well, I just got engaged. And that's like the closer of the whole yeah. show. Yeah. Well, actually it's not. Oh, the him quitting is the closer. 
right? No. Okay, then I don't remember. So Gordon does quit it. the show, right? Yeah. As we talked about before, he he sees that his personal beef with this VP is going to ruin the show, right? And so he leaves, gives Hannah the reins and the full, uh, full showrunner title and all of that. And he leaves, and he goes and apologizes to, uh, Tyler, and then we also see Clay in his new home. Someone oh, had gotten right. him, and he so he's been struggling with sobriety. He's been struggling with his alcoholism. Yep, and he's, he's just been doing really good. House. And he has been tempted in certain areas of the not not strongly, but like he drove by a liquor store when he was really stressed, and he was like, ah, you know, kind of like really grasp yeah. gra- or grappling with it. He just bought this house. He's sitting in it. He's in like a foldable chair in this blank living room, yeah, with, and, and there's the house has nothing yeah. in it, and the doorbell rings. And it's a package. Someone had gotten to congratulate him a bottle of tequila. Okay, so he's sitting there staring at this bottle of tequila yes. in the dark. And it's just this very, like, iconic, like, struggle where he's just, you, you can, I could, you know, there wasn't, like, that inner monologue or in a dialogue in his brain that was happening, yeah. but I could hear it. But you it's know? palpable. It's palpable, and you understand, and you know, like, he's really struggling with right. looking at this bottle, knowing what it does to him. And then Bree shows up. And they're going to hang out. And we're just, we don't know what happens there. That's right. I kind of have an idea what probably happened. Anyways. That was a long lead up to what you expect for season two. (laughs) That was like basically almost the entire last episode. I'm sorry that was so long-winded. for everyone, Andrew. But I think it helps inform what season two might look like. I think we see Reed and Nora kind of, Reed just kind of doing his thing because he feels locked in. But he also wants to be with Bree. I think Clay and Bree probably hook up. Okay. Try to figure out what's going on there. Right. Um, I think that we just see things get a little messy, right? The show continues and they continue to try to craft the show and do well. Maybe it has some turbulence with ratings and it kind of, you know, bumps back and forth between maybe it'll be canceled, maybe we should be concerned. Ultimately, I think it focus like season two would. I would have it focus more on the relationships. Right. You see, uh, Bree, Reed, and Nora having like an awkward dinner or something like that because it's yeah. like, well, I want to take you out and, and congratulate you guys, and then it's like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Uh, and it, you just see like I don't know Clay and Bree having some weird things going on because they just hooked up. Like I don't know. I could see so much potential yep. Zach, you know. Uh, and his his little exec girlfriend trying to figure things out because they trying kind of ended on a without being on a note conflicted. Where, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just really comes down to that. Eloquent and well well said. <laughs> I tend to agree. As you were talking and giving your your long recap uh, of the final episode for our listeners, which is funny. Um, I, I was thinking, I how interesting would it be, right? You have a very well-structured show in the sense of, oh, it's a sitcom about making a sitcom, right? Yeah. How interesting would it be if we watched one of the, you know, season two or later on down the line, you have an episode that is the sitcom where you, Ooh, yeah. as opposed to watching the writing kind of falling apart and the issues, you watch the sitcom, but you can see very clearly all the problems that the writers are having to get the sitcom right, where... 
it's written poorly it, and there's yeah. weird conflicts that shouldn't happen that are like it's like unedited version of the sitcom right yeah where you also see like the behind the scenes things where they're called in because they show that a fair amount when they're actually yeah filming. and that's like all of the context some of the you don't see the do- you don't see the writer's and, yeah. room or anything you just see them like when they're on the sets in their characters and then you see them in really short cutaways to like right as they're about to walk in on a scene or right after they leave a scene right and i I think that'd be really cool and and you have a lot of fun ways to play with the format in in that way i I think there's also some fun interplay that you can do with like them going on like press tours together and like the kind of inner conflicts of these four now five principal cast members and like the weird awkward things that can happen amongst the cast and the the really sweet thing that i think is really strong is that all the characters uh the all all of the actors in the show are friends right they, they're they're yeah. all genuinely trying to band together to get this show working because they all need it to work for different reasons yeah and so i like the the interplay that that creates when you put them in odd situations together where they're all kind of having to rely upon each other like you have an episode where they're all doing press junkets together and you watch their kind of awkward interactions where yeah. you know they're trying to talk about the show but they keep talking about like the you know, they're talking, you know, it's the classic sitcom thing where you, you're saying one thing, but you're talking about your real life, not about the yeah. show. Right? right. And so you can have some fun stuff with that. So there's just, there was so much potential for the show. And it, it, it's, this is yeah. one of those real genuine shames that it was canceled. Um, Cause it was a really strong showing from all the actors and actresses. Yeah. Great. Really well made. I think also like it feels very well constructed and yeah. put together. Uh, the actors are doing a fantastic job. You know, I think we've kind of shown our hand a little too much now that we're going to get into yeah. our star ratings, but I, I think we got to get into it at this point. So, so tell yeah. me what you think. Um, yeah, just just another note on the cancellation. It was canceled, and then uh, they were shopping around quite a bit trying to find a new a new um, studio to pick it up. Oh, interesting. Or a new network, like they were trying. I'm sure, it right? Because it's a good show. Wasn't picked up by anyone, uh, which is really sad. So. It's also you know, kind of hard when the the creators of the show, as in Hulu, being a Hulu original series, are actually yeah. like Hulu is kind of a character in the show in the sense of they are the ones right. producing the reboot, right? And so it's right. that's a harder thing to swing from a narrative perspective. I can understand also from like a financial or whatever perspective that a company would pass on this, but it also yeah. puts you into a kind of a hole of how you write it following up in another season. So that's also interesting. Guys, Hulu canceled us. You just do exactly what yeah, they you did. Yeah, you do what actually happened Hulu canceled us. Right? We'll just shop and find another network. Let's sell it. You have an episode where they just try to figure it out. Maybe two episodes if you're going on a longer season than eight episodes, right? Like that could have been And you have all been. the actors like trying to call in all their yeah, friends, exactly. right? To like, you know. Yep. Yeah. I could that'd see be, that being yeah, a thing. Yeah, that'd be a good, another um, good season two episode. Yeah, anyway. So I'm holding out hope. You know, maybe a bit of copium, but maybe it'll be picked up someday and, and we'll have to eat our words that this was canceled. Yeah, I think there's uh, going to eventually be like a a point a where reboot, we reboot. like do a show where then they do get another season, yeah. like pick back up. Probably. And we're going to have to eat some egg or, or remove this episode, you know. I'm not removing shit. Okay, fine. No. Um, <laughs> no. We just update people in the intro or something. Um, okay, so back on track, back to start readings. So I'm going to recap them really quickly. Oh, yes. Please this tell our listeners, new and returning. Yeah, uh, zero out of five is going to be uh, an idea that should have never made it onto print, basically. Um, one out of five is going to be an idea that we'd love to see in a pilot, but probably doesn't need to go any further. Two is going to be rightfully canceled after one season. I think that's pretty much like, okay, cool, got it. One season was enough. 
it was worth seeing if it was going to be a thing let's call it three is going to be our as always watch at your own risk category it shows that if you find this conversation interesting or the synopsis or just the idea of it interesting you should probably watch it um you know we liked it it was all right you know we might recommend it might not four is going to be a show that definitely deserved more airtime and needed to uh, a season or two more maybe maybe even more than that to breathe would have loved to see it go on not the best show in the world five is going to be criminal crime category more classic criminal crime where it should have continued and it is devastating to pop culture that it did so without further ado i've given this a solid four i think this is the easiest four we might ever have this is the easiest four this is honestly an easier easier, easier four than pan am was and i know that was that's what i'm saying easy right? four because yeah four perfect pan am is really subjective to how much you enjoy drama and character work this one right even if you don't enjoy a lot of those things it is genuinely funny and the jokes are well written and it is yeah it has good comedy so like if you don't like drama and character work you can enjoy the comedy or if you don't you know care for comedy as much you can actually watch like an interesting character drama yeah. underneath a lot of the comedy and if you like both you're gonna be pissed yeah, off you really scan- the show, the show which i think yeah. is why we both liked it yeah yeah uh yeah solid four almost even four and a half but i'm giving it a solid four this is this is perfectly four yeah i'm we are in total synchronicity about this there's no doubt in my mind that this is four from us i would you know if you've listened this far and you just want to watch it just to laugh along you guys everyone who's listening to this podcast should should watch it if you've enjoyed our conversation enjoyed some of our ramblings about how funny it is because it's it's i'm sad that this show is canceled and that is a four Me too. you know threes i can also be sad about but not usually like this you know i was yeah. just like you i knew that there were only eight episodes and i knew when i was watching that final episode i was going to be bummed when it ended because those seven yeah. ep- even if the eighth episode was trash like those first seven episodes are really quality 100 um, yeah and so i think I that, it's, like it's just a shame yeah i had that like double dose of, of devastation because yeah, I, you I, had... I really thought i had two more episodes and then i was like shit it's over yep no uh um, i i think that uh this is a really easy recommendation for for a lot of people i think yeah oh uh, yeah you know it's it's just really good man i don't, I don't have anything more else to say i mean i feel like we should leave either. it short and sweet that it was a really strong strong Honestly, show. stop listening now and go watch this show yeah like you don't need to hear the outro you've heard it before go watch the show right now yeah um but for those of us who are new to the podcast uh, I think yeah. we should still do an outro for, no, for the sake yeah, of our of audience. Course. <laughs> um, so, uh, Andrew, tell them where they can find out more about the podcast, about us, about all the things. Yeah, uh, you can find more information about us at season1pod.com. You can also find us at season underscore one underscore pod on all socials. We have our own subreddit, r slash season1pod. And we have a Patreon. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? We have uh, merch yeah. on our website. Yeah, we have some new ideas for shirts coming up, and uh, just our logoed hoodies and and shirts, mugs, things like that. Go ahead and take a look. Um, someone's got to pay for these shows we're watching. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, man. It's like you know, so, you think about oh, well, I have seven subscriptions to seven different fucking yeah. platforms to watch these shows on, but then because of so many of them are older canceled shows, they don't even exist on those older canceled. Yeah like the, there's not a cancel yeah. maybe that's our maybe that's our money makers we start a streaming service 
of season <laughs> one shows. That's like shows oh, that wow. only aired one season, right? These canceled TM, shows TM. that kind of aren't TM, picked trademark. up by anyone. That's uh, actually fantastic. When this we podcast really takes off, that's what we're gonna do. So TM TM, no one, no one steal TM, that TM. idea. That's ours. Um, Go away. Yeah, we'll we'll write it in an envelope and bury it in the backyard, and I'm pretty sure that's how copyright works or something. Anyway, uh, thank you, Andrew, for yep. for recounting us uh, social media. We encourage everyone You're to go welcome. over there, chat with us. Also, leave us a rating review on whatever podcast yep. app you are listening on. Genuinely helps us uh, reach a bigger audience, and we want to hear how you think we're doing about the show. Recommendations for segments and bits, uh, thoughts about your own on these shows. Give us a full you know rundown of yep. if you've watched all the shows and what you think about them. We we really appreciate it, and we have read uh, all, all of the reviews to this point. Yeah, um, And so tell your friends. I mean, word of mouth is one of the biggest... Yep best forms of marketing if you enjoy this show share it with your friends we would and, love that you know there's more shows in the pipeline we have our full list of all the shows that we're so planning amazing. at some point of doing on our website so if you go there and you're like oh man i really like the show or i know somebody that loved this show and they were so sad it was canceled it's a great yep. recommendation to do we might not do it for a little while but they might get into the pace of it so yeah thank well, you. i mean we are picking these shows out of a hat Right. Every single Literally, time we're, we just, we're just kind it. of, we're just going for it. We don't have a specific order. So if there's a show and we see enough interest to cover it yeah. sooner than later, then I mean, there's no problem with, with doing it. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree. Um, so thank, thank you everyone for listening. We always really appreciate uh, all the support that we're, we've been getting about the show uh, and we, we, we love it. So thank you all. And uh, I look forward to seeing everyone next week. Uh, Andrew, are you excited to learn what our next show is live on the podcast? Uh, I'm conflicted because we just went from a really bad show to a very, very good show. And I just, I don't know if I'm ready for the shock. You don't need to rub one. in my face that I always pick I, bad shows <laughs> and you always pick good shows. It's kind of mean at this point. Uh, I just want to say that it's not a competition. We're not keeping score, but I'm winning. <laughs> And I'm You're also, so <laughs> uh, but yes, I am ready to hear what we're watching next week. All right. We are watching what I believe is a remake of oh. an older show. I think from the seventies or eighties, uh, we are watching the 2007 oh. show, the bionic woman. Okay. Be more excited um, for our listeners sake. No. So I, I have heard of neither of them. I haven't even go. heard of the original. So that's, I'm just trying to like imagine you know, I think of like the Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams, which Great is probably film. not even close. Uh, I to don't the right think is related thing. at all. Well, of course, it's not related at all. But that's the first <laughs> thing that came. Is <laughs> like, oh, like a maybe cyborg they take place in the same universe. Show. Uh, that would be interesting. It would be okay. The Bionic Woman. I'll have to. We'll, we'll have to see how it is. Yeah, just make sure you're not watching the older one. Because I think that ran for multiple seasons, and uh, that would break our rule. So <laughs> Not a candidate for the show, yeah. Correct. Uh, so Fair. the Bionic Woman, uh, for our listeners, Bionic I hope Woman. that you all will uh, watch, and at the very least tune in for next week's episode of the podcast. All right, without further ado, everyone, thank you again so much for listening. Uh, we, we hope to see you again next week. Uh, my name is Preston. My name is Andrew. We watch it, and you should do